The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. Let me pray for us. Turn to Joshua chapter 1, and we'll dive into our Bible study this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love for us and the way that you invite us to be a part of sharing your love with this world. Uh, as we look back at some early writings, some commandments, and some challenges uh, given to Joshua and the Israelites, we pray that you would help us to see how they apply to us in our present day. Uh, be with us now as we go through Scripture together. Behind me in the distance you see the Dead Sea, and behind that a mountain range where Mount Nebo is. I don't know if you can see in the video, but the sunlight there is shining on Mount Nebo where Moses died. Uh, not being able to cross into the promised land. There is where he handed the baton off to Joshua, where he would take lead and lead the Israelites into their promised land. The trip to Israel was amazing. About 11 of us, exactly 11 of us went. And there's still a few that stayed to go check out uh, Egypt. Uh, But I'm telling you, it was a life-changing, eye-opening event. And I... I want to encourage you to consider going yourself. There in the distance, off in the distance, you're going to see uh, where the the words we're going to read today were spoken. Uh, It was so cool to kind of actually be walking in many times in the same footsteps of Jesus and to be in the places where many of the events that we read about in Scripture unfolded. Uh, Here in Joshua chapter 1, we're going to see uh, the challenge and the commissioning of a man named Joshua who would take the baton from Moses and lead the Israelites into the land where I was standing uh, when we recorded that video. Uh, An amazing, uh, eye-opening time, and let's see how it applies to us today. Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready. I want you to circle or underline or highlight that phrase. Get ready. Did you do it? Speak to me. Hello. What are we supposed to do? Get ready. Uh, God is always at work. Henry Blackaby, if, if any of you out there ever did a study called Experiencing God, Henry Blackaby points out that God is always working and simply invites us to join him. God is working not only in the land of Israel, but he's working in the land of which we encounter. And here today, we have the same commandment, get ready. God has things he wants to do in you and through you to reach those who do not yet know him. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, I hope so. Get ready, he said to them. Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them. To the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, some of the words that are spoken here in Joshua were given for a specific people at a specific time for a specific season. But there's some global things that I think apply to each and every one of us as a part of the body of Christ on the mission that God has sent, uh, called us to. The Israelites, as recorded in Genesis chapter 12, were the children of Abraham and the children of God. They were the children pointed out 
not to be God's chosen people so that they could move into a land of their own. And, man, there were some beautiful scenes. Sure, a lot of people think of Israel as desert, but, man, wasn't it beautiful, Cindy, being there? Uh, palm trees everywhere, dates. Have you ever had a fresh date that you could just pick right off a, a, a date tree? Uh, it, it was amazing. What do you call a date tree? Not a date tree. Anyway, whoever knows, tell me afterwards. Um, it was amazing. But God didn't bless them so that they could go and just have their own private little sanctuary. God chose them to be a blessing to other people. And from that point in, 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 on our planet Earth, the blessing started to roll out. The gospel, the very first day we arrived, we went to a place called Caesarea, uh, a place where Herod built this great palace, this great fort. Many people would come and go to the land of Israel through that port. And it's at that port where Paul was actually imprisoned before he was sent to Roman, uh, to Rome, where the gospel would then penetrate the prison guard uh, and, and ultimately go out to the ends of the earth. Uh, we saw all kinds of uh, beautiful things, but the challenges there that were put forth before the Israelites, I believe apply to us still today. As Moses, as I was with Moses, I will be with you, Joshua. And Jesus says to his disciples, do not fear, do not be afraid. I will always be with you. In the same way, God said those words to Joshua here. He says, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you or for, nor forsake you. In verse 7, it says, be strong and courageous and be careful. Say that word, word with me. Be, one more time, be, be careful to do what? To obey, to obey everything that God has led us. Up to that time, they had uh, the law passed on to them. Moses went up onto Mount Sinai. He received the commandments, not just the Ten Commandments, but he received uh, details of how to build a future temple, how to, uh, how to obey certain kinds of laws to keep them safe and set apart. And, and these laws, Joshua was told, be careful to obey them. Don't depart from them. Pay attention to them. Meditate on them. Pay attention to them. Teach them to your children. Obey these laws. Keep the book of the law, verse 8, with you always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, uh, we're not here to teach a prosperity gospel where if you memorize enough of God's word and if you do enough things right, uh, all your debt will disappear and you'll become a millionaire. That's not what we teach. It's not what the Bible teaches. But God has a mission for us. And if we want to be successful in that mission, and sometimes that mission involves suffering. Jesus said himself, as I suffer, you too will suffer. But if we want to have joy in the midst of trials, if we want to see God work in the midst of challenges like passing a Jordan and flood gate, which we'll talk about in a minute, uh, uh, conquering a, a fortified city, a city named Jericho. If we want to see God in the midst of our struggles, our sufferings, and our trials, we need to be careful to keep our eyes on Him, to obey Him. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Uh, later, he says, I want you to get the people ready. And so he's given Joshua these commandments. He's setting down the foundation upon which everything else will stand. Follow me. I will take care of you. I will be with you. Do not be afraid. Be strong. Be courageous. Turn to chapter 2. We don't have time to read the beautiful story in chapter 2, and so I encourage you on your own if you've never read. Uh, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to show you some pictures of Jericho at the end. 
Uh, but if you've never read about Jericho, Jericho is this fortified city, uh, the oldest city on earth that's still existing today. Um, and uh, this land of Jericho was not a Christian city. Uh, it was not a Jewish city. It was a, a city where they worshipped all kinds of false gods. And one particular character, a prostitute, lived there. Her name was Rahab. Um, she became instrumental in, in helping the Israelites. And God saved her, redeemed her, forgave her. And now you see her name in the book of Matthew chapter 1 as one of the great, 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 great grandmothers of Jesus. She is, Jesus is from her line. It's amazing to see these kinds of things unfold before you. Early in the morning, Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from where they were encamped in Shittim and went on to the Jordan, the river, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow. I want you to see the Jordan River. Check this out. I'm standing here on the edge of the Jordan River, a very important place for a number of reasons. One, this is where Israel crossed into the Promised Land uh, from being captive in Egypt 40 years earlier uh, to then enter into uh, the city of Jericho and the rest of the surrounding areas. And eventually the land of Jerusalem. This is also a famous area because of the many baptisms that even still occur to this day. Uh, the most famous baptisms uh, being led by John the Baptist, who is telling people, prepare your hearts, prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. One day, Jesus has, as, as Jesus approached, John was standing in these waters, and John said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus walked out into these waters and was baptized. A dove ascended, uh, descended from heaven and came to rest over Jesus. And God said, Behold my son in whom I am well pleased. From here, Jesus went not too far to the Mount of Temptation, the area where he fasted was tempted for 40 days before beginning his public ministry years. An amazing place uh, where new life begins and old life is left behind. The waters of the Jordan River. So early in the morning, Joshua led the Israelites and they went to camp. Now, that part looks pretty easy to uh, cross. Uh, the only thing that really prevented you from crossing are the machine guns right on the other side. Um, there were very clear lines. If you pass this line, you're on your own. Um, uh, there, it's uh, the waters are controlled now, um, not just politically, but also by uh, uh, different dam systems to control the, the, the length and the depth of the, the river. When, when the Israelites got there, according to Joshua chapter 3, verse 15, it was a raging uh, flood stage river, uh, essentially unpassable. But with God, all things are possible. And so they arrived. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders, verse 3. And when you see the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark, not Noah's Ark, that was a bit bigger than the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was a box uh, made of wood, acacia wood. And there's wood all, you can see acacia trees all throughout the land as you're driving around. 
and they were to make this uh, box in acacia wood and then cover it in gold. Uh, that itself a symbol of, of, of divinity uh, overtaking humanity, uh, Jesus becoming flesh. And the ark was the pres- a symbol of the presence of God in their midst. And so the Levitical priests would carry the ark, and the nation of Israel would follow behind it. And so Joshua said, when you see the ark of the covenant move, you're to follow it. How many times in our life do we see God move, and we just kind of watch him move? Henry Blackaby said, God is always at work, and he invites us to join him in that work. Uh, My prayer for us as a church is that we see the movements of God in our neighbors' lives, in our coworkers' lives, in our schoolmates or teammates' lives, and that when we see God moving or creating an open door and an opportunity for us to be a blessing or to share the truth that lies within us, that we look for those opportunities, and when we see God, we follow. When you see the Ark of the Covenant moving, um, get up from your positions and follow. Then you will know which way to go. Oftentimes, there are going to be curveballs thrown at us in life. There are going to be things that will come at us that we don't see from where they're coming, and we don't know where to go. But what we do know is that we have a God who's already there in the midst of our storm, a God who's already on the other side of the Jordan River, a God who's already in the middle saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so if we keep our eyes on God, he says, but keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. What we also need to be careful of is that we don't get ahead of God. We let God lead us, and we follow in his footsteps. Um, I, I have too much to cover to elaborate on all these points, but here's the thing. As Joshua said, God has told us this land uh, on the other side of the Jordan is ours. We simply need to obey him, follow him, and let him lead us. And so they did. Verse 5, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate means set yourself apart. Get yourself ready. Understand that it's not about us. Many times we look at ourselves and we think, you know, how could God use me? But God, in the same way that he used the prostitute just a chapter earlier, there's nothing too great, there's no distance too far that God will not travel to redeem you, to make you his own, and to use us to do amazing things among you. Set yourselves apart. Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things. So Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant, pass on ahead of the people. So they took it, and they went on ahead. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel, so that you may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan water, go and stand in the river. So now picture, these people are camped. They see in the distance these raging waters. They heard the stories of how their ancestors 40 years earlier were led through a sea by Moses somehow. And, and now they're standing looking at this flood stage water. I'm sure many of them had fear. Many of them probably doubted. Many of them thought, man, who is this? Who pointed this guy to lead us to this place? Why don't we go up north and find a place to cross? It's better than this. But Joshua said, here's what I want you to do. So that you see that this is God. I want you to walk up, and I want you to go and actually step into the water and stand there. And so they, as they approached the water, look what happens. Verse 14 of Joshua chapter 2. So the people broke camp, and they went to cross the Jordan. 
The priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan was at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water stopped flowing. Many times God is simply waiting for us to take that step, that step of faith, that willingness to say, God, I don't understand, I don't know how, but because you say so, I will do it. Because you say so. Peter, the night that Jesus found him, <coughs> had, hey, he caught no fish at all. He was cleaning his net. Jesus went up to Peter, uh, standing on the Gal- Gal- uh, shore of Galilee. Uh, we, we were there, maybe in the very same spot where this happened. Uh, Peter was washing his nets, and Jesus said, what are you doing? And he was like, well, we fished all night and haven't caught a thing. And he's like, well, go out into the deep part of the water and cast your nets again. He's like, Peter, just always putting his foot in his mouth. We, I've told you, we've been out there all night and haven't caught a thing. And then something overtakes him, and he says, but you, you know, just the night before, this man who was just teaching somehow healed his mother-in-law who was sick with a fever, and somehow Peter knew that this man was not just an ordinary man. So Peter said, because you say so, I will do it. And they go out, and they do it. Many of you know the rest of the story. They throw out their nets, and they catch so many fish that the nets begin to break. They call for their partners, and both go into deep water. Because you say so. Here, Joshua does not argue with God. He does not say, but there's a flood stage. Many times we feel like God is calling us to do X, Y, or Z. And there seemingly is all kinds of options. There there are all kinds of reasons why in our humanity, we would say, isn't there a better way? Jesus says, or God tells us in Proverbs chapter 4, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. What is impossible with man is possible with God. And so the Israelites look at the Levites who are carrying the ark. As soon as they set foot in the water, they stopped. I tried that. It didn't work for me. But it worked that day. The water stopped. As soon as the priests who carried the ark of the covenant reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water again stopped flowing. Piled up and it keeps a great distance away. Verse 17. The priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completely crossed on dry ground. Chapter 4. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men, one from each tribe, uh, uh, from among the people of each tribe, and tell them to go back to the middle of the Jordan and to take up twelve stones from right where the priests were standing and carry them over and put them down in the place where you stay tonight. He goes on to say, take those 12 stones and pile them up as a, as a, as a tower, as a pillar, a memorial. And as often as you walk by it or pass by with your children, when they ask, what is that pile of rocks? Tell them about how I delivered you. There are many stones that I picked up while we were there. Uh, many times I would break away from the group and go off to a private place. Uh, I don't know if I broke any rules, but I have a lot of rocks now uh, that I brought back. And, um, you know, as memorials, as reminders of what God has done for us. I know in my life there are many reminders that I consider stones in my life of ways I've seen God move in my family, 
move in my life, times where there seemed to be no way and God made a way, times where there was sickness in my life or Brandy's life and God brought healing, times when I've seen in yours God do amazing things. God wants us to look back and remember the God that was and is will be with us forever. And the God who made a way in the past makes a way into our future. And I want you to look back in your life and make a mental note of the different stones, the different times where God has provided for you and provided for us as an eight-year-old church. God has helped us to overcome some great odds. Most church plants don't make it past year five. We're at year eight, thankfully still plugging along and um, getting ready to cross into a next season for ourselves. As we get ready to cross into the next season, the same commandments and challenges spoken to Joshua apply to us. Make sure we're ready. Are we really ready? Number two, how do we be ready? We pay attention to the law. The law is much more than just the first five books of the Bible now. It's 66 books. And it's written by the prophets and the shepherds and the doctors, Dr. Luke, and many other people who have seen God move and left his word for us to pay attention to. Let us meditate on it. Let us, let it lead us as we follow God and not get ahead of him. We have great things ahead of us. Rob last week stepped in and uh, shared some words of encouragement with you as he talked about being a bricklayer and a uh, newspaper thrower and, and now a pastor. And God has called you to also be a part of his great plan. What is that plan? In Acts chapter 17, Paul encourages us to remember that it is God who appointed the time and season in which you would live. He also laid out the boundaries of the places where you would be. So if you're sitting here today, it's not by accident. God has you here in Windsor, Indiana for a reason. To be his hand, to be his chosen instrument, to be his priests and his ambassadors to reach those in this land who do not yet know him. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to do that? And so we have ways like going out and being a blessing by giving out bags of candy. Some of you might argue, isn't that stupid? Help kids teeth rot? No, in the name of the Spirit, it won't. There's all the sugar's been removed, okay? Um, no, we're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus in simple and tangible ways. We're going to go out and we're going to pause our regular scheduled program to do things like precincts. We're going to meet with kids on Friday afternoons and give them a bag of food so they can eat on the weekends. We're going to be present in the lives of those. My, my greatest hope is that if Hope Hill Church were to ever have to close its doors and cease to meet, that the community would actually miss us because they miss the love of Jesus flowing through us. I don't want us to be just another separated group on a corner somewhere that gathers together for an hour or two a week, but a people that see ourselves as ambassadors of Jesus 24 hours a day, seven days a week, making a true difference in the lives of our neighbors. The two greatest commandments that Jesus said, number one, love me, God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and your mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. The Israelites were called to go into the promised land, not to have a land set apart for themselves to pull away from the world and just be them and God, but instead to be a people called by God through which blessings would flow to reach all nations. And if we are ready, God will make a way in the season. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that you are a God that calls us, that raises us up, 
that many times has to pick up the pieces and put us back together so that we can be used in ways we never imagined to share your love with those we never met. God, I pray that you'd help us to see our role like the Israelites who were chosen to be a blessing to the nations around them. You have also raised us. God, there will sometimes be obstacles before us, rivers and floods to reach, cities with gigantic walls. But God, you are a God who parts waters and makes walls crumble. Help us, God, to simply be faithful enough to keep our eyes on you as you lead us into our future, into our next steps as individuals and as a church. God, I pray that as the city of Jericho stood before the Israelites. It was not something to stop them. It was simply an opportunity for them to see you at work among them. And God, I pray that we would see the same thing in our own lives. God, I also pray for those who may be here today who, for a lot of this, this is simple, simply history or stories. And they don't know a lot about who you are. Father God, if there are people here today who don't truly know you, I pray their hearts would be open right now. If you're here this morning and you would say, John, I'm not sure where I stand with God. I'm not sure that I even really know who God is or why he would love me. What I simply want to tell you this morning is that if you open up your God says he will pour his love on you abundantly. The Bible tells us that there is nobody too far from God. The Bible tells us that even though we have sin in our life, Jesus came and offered his life in our place as our sacrifice. The Bible tells us that he allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be shed so that any who would put their belief in him, they would receive forgiveness. The scriptures say that if we confess our sins, he is faithful will forgive us of all unrighteousness. Though our sins be like scarlet and have stained us, they will be washed, we will be washed white as snow. If you're here this morning and you would say, John, I need that kind of love in my life. I need God's forgiveness. I want Jesus to be my Savior. Then the scriptures in Romans chapter 10 say that if we believe in our heart that Jesus died for us, and if we confess with our mouth that we want him to be our Lord, we will be saved. So if you're here this morning, you would say, John, I want to do that. I want to believe in Jesus, and I want him to come into my life and forgive me and be my Lord. Would you just raise your hand right now and say, that's what I need to do. I, I want Jesus in my life. I want his forgiveness. I see that hand. Are there any others? I see that hand. Father God, I thank you so much for those who are surrendering to you right now. I thank you for being a God who loves to know us. A God that pursues us. A God that chases after us. No matter how many times we stumble and fall, you're there to pick us up and offer us forgiveness and a fresh start. God, thank you for being a God of grace and a God of mercy. Now help us to be careful. To keep our eyes on you. To follow after you 